And Alice is shuddering. You can't see it because this is a podcast, but she's shuddering. Hi, welcome to episode seven of Art Juice, behind the scenes conversations about making art and the creative life with me, Louise Fletcher. And me, Alice Sheridan. This week, we're going to be talking about a big question is how much time do I have, uh, both in a day and in our lives for making art. And we're going to answer a reader question about play and how do you know when it's time to get started working. Uh, we'll also have our regular inside outside feature about what's inspired us. But first, we're going to talk about what we're working on this week. So Alice, over to you. What have you been working on? Well, I've, I was away for a week last week, and so I always find it a little bit tricky to come back into work when I've been away. So um, the, the first two days, the first Monday, I came back full of good intentions, and then I was alerted that my website had collapsed. So that, <laughs> yeah, so that kind of put the kibosh on Monday morning, a little bit of digging. But I think the interesting thing about that for me was that would have been something that would have thrown me into total panic, like complete and utter panic. That, that kind of technical managing side of being an artist it would have freaked me out completely. And I, what I was interested to notice was that my reaction this time was, oh, that's a bit annoying. I'm sure it will be simple to sort out. And even when it turned out to be a little bit more complex than simple to sort out, I, I didn't go into a big panic about it. I know now that stuff is always there somehow. Um, I used to think that would be gone yeah. when my site went down. It's like, oh, no, it's all gone. I'll have to start again. Yeah, but yeah. And it's just interesting how things that start off terrifying you gradually become easier. So that was, and that and packing up work um, to send off to a gallery took up most of Monday. So it felt like I'd started the week thinking, yeah, I'm going to get back going. I've come back. I'm refreshed. I'm, and then it just didn't happen at all. So it's been a little bit of a slow start, but um, um, I had a good day yesterday working bringing kind of bigger ones to fruition and also just an interesting feeling of I just I'm interested to notice when work is coming to an end how things slow down a little bit and if I have too many unfinished loops it feels really good to get some things finished and done so that I can concentrate clearly on what I need to do next so one of the days this week I felt like I was procrastinating because I was painting edges and finishing off surface finishes on some paintings. And I wondered if I was delaying doing the real work on other paintings. But actually, as soon as that part of that job that was an unfinished loop was closed down again, then it felt really easy to, to go in and, and do the work in a free form. And sometimes I think we have these little niggling jobs to get done on the, on the outside of our mind, and it can feel really good to get those done and then you have a clear run at work. So that's how I feel. Yeah. And, and that's interesting that you say you felt like, am I avoiding? I was thinking sometimes we think so much about these things. It's like that sounds like that's just an important part of your process. But there's this little niggling voice going, this isn't the right thing to be doing. I should be doing something else. And actually, it's not true. 
Yeah, and also it's a job that's got to be done at some point in the next two weeks. So it doesn't really matter if it happens now or the end of next week. You know, it's not like I was wasting time doing something totally irrelevant. But yeah, we give ourselves a really hard time. (laughs) Yeah, we do. (laughs) So I've been uh, finishing things too, because I've been getting ready for this uh, show that I have coming up next week. When this goes out, it will be Tuesday. I'll be hanging it and it's uh, we have the preview evening on Friday um, and it's uh, you know I think it was Monday I got in touch with you because I was just procrastinating I was just wandering around in a daze I had so much to do uh, with that and other things that I couldn't could do anything so mm-hmm. I just found myself walking around my kitchen round and round and opening the fridge and then shutting it because I didn't want anything to eat and putting the kettle on and forgetting to make a cup of tea and I, I got my husband had gone out with his friends and I had the whole day to myself and I got nothing done, but it came together towards the end of the week because I just wrote down a list of everything I had to do. And then I worked my way through it. And what I've discovered, and I finished quite a few paintings in the last week. And these were things that were lying around. um, And I thought they were lost. And Mm. then I picked a couple of them up and, one I turned upside down, I was like, oh, I like that. Oh, I could do, I could see what I could do. And I, I finished a couple that way. And what's interesting that I've learned in the run up to this is um, I worked, I actually painted much less in February than I did in January because mm-hmm. I used the tracking system that you shared on your, if anybody's not seen it on Alice's Art Explorer's website, she has this great video of a daily tracking system. And I used that to see how much work I do. And I painted 70% of the time in February that I had in January, finished two paintings in January and six in February. My time was much more productive, even though I spent less time doing it. So that was interesting. Um, but everything now is bubble wrapped and ready to go, except for a couple that just need fixings putting on. And I think I'm in good shape. So I'm going to breathe. And talking of unfinished loops, what I feel like is such a sense of relief mm. that all these paintings are wrapped up and ready to go. And I only have a few boards lying around that aren't complete. Um, And I'm just going to have this massive clear out and I'm then going to decide what to do next. But it's going to not be making finished paintings for a bit, I think. It's going to be playing and experimenting because I just feel like, oh, all that's done now. That's a whole body of work with the theme that is gone and I can be free to think about something else, which is cool. I think it's absolutely fascinating that there, I mean, there's something really special about an original painting. An original painting has a very personal sense of energy in a room when you have it there. And people often ask, is it hard to sell paintings? And I think that there are some that we love, particularly love maybe because they taught us something or we did them at a special point in our lives. But there is really definitely an energy that's caught up in a painting and it's to do with the amount of time that you spent and all the thought and all that feeling goes into a painting. But what's still fascinating is this stage of when you finish things and you wrap them and you move them out of your space, how that gives that breathing, that breathing space. 
And it, it also allows you to kind of emotionally distance yourself from them a bit. Do you feel that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple in there that I absolutely love. And, but I'm glad I'm not seeing them anymore. It's like they're a weight almost on me. Um, now that then um, they're not propped up around the house or waiting to be framed or whatever, now that I can't see them anymore, I just feel like, oh, good, gone. And if I sell them, that will be fine. I won't be, I won't be upset, even though I love them. So yeah, it's 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 a bit like the feeling when I cleaned out my house to move home from America and got rid of everything I didn't need. Mm. Um, it was such a feeling of, oh, why didn't we live like this before? It's so nice without all this junk lying around. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking it's a bit like the feeling that you have when your children go to school for the first time. And you <laughs> well, still, I can't imagine that. But well, you still love them, even though you can't see them and they're getting on with their thing. And it's nice to see them again at the end of the day, obviously. But um it was it's nice when they go away for that bit. And it, it made me laugh when you said when you got rid of things, because I was thinking, yeah, but I'm not going so far as to get rid of children. But yeah, it, yeah, it's that having emotional space. Uh, let's move on to our main topic, since this is a good segue into it, which is uh, we chose this topic, how much time do I have? Because we were having a conversation about how hard you need to push uh, in terms of making your art and how much time you really have to make it. And it's kind of a question that works on multiple levels. How much time do I have in a day? How much time do I need to spend every day on my painting? Should I be doing it all day? Should I be doing it for just an hour? Is it okay if I only have half an hour a week? And then the bigger question which I think that leads into is how much time do I have overall to get everything out that I want to get out before I croak um, because <laughs> we're all going to do that so this subject came about because Alice and I were talking about our different approaches to this yeah we, um, wanted, we wanted to find something that basically we disagreed on yeah, which is quite hard, but we did find this. So, and it's not even so much a disagreement as just a different philosophy, I think. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, and I've learned so much from your philosophy. So this is why it's hard to say I disagree because um, I follow the time tracking things and the taking, planning things and working step by step has been a big help for me. But overriding everything for me, is this, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 150%. And I hate people who say more than 100%, but I just did it. I'm, I'm, going, to run, I'm going to run as fast as I can. I'm going to fling myself into it full tilt. When I was younger, if I fell in love with someone, I mean, I fell in love with someone. It was like all in. This, was my, this person was my life. And it's the same with anything I take on, a project or anything else. And since I rediscovered making art, it's become increasingly important to me until the last three years it's been moving into becoming my career and now it is my career. And I feel like I have to put everything into that. Not even feel like I have to, feel like I want to. Feel like when I wake up in the morning, I just want to get on with it. I want to work until I fall asleep. I, I'm either painting or 
writing a blog post or editing a podcast or making a video or something pretty much until bedtime. And I, and Alice is shuddering, but you can't see it because this is a podcast, but she's shuddering. I mean, that's not really true because I'm walking my dog and I'm making dinner and I'm spending time with my husband and I'm going to the pub. So that's a bit of an exaggeration. But what I'm not doing is watching Netflix and what I'm not doing is reading a novel and any of those things because those things make me itchy to get back to what I love. And partly, I think this comes from the fact that I wasn't doing it for so long Mm -hmm. and I feel like I wasted years doing the wrong things partly it comes from my tendency to fling myself into things and partly it comes from this knowledge that my dad died when he was 60 and I'm 55 and if I have five years left and I might have one year left or might have I might have 25 years left but if I have five years left what am I doing to make the most of every day Mm -hmm in terms of what I want to be doing. And I don't have children, so I don't have that to uh, think about. So that part of my life is, you know, I don't have that to worry about. And this is my job. So, um, and it's also my love and my passion. So why wouldn't I be doing it all the time? Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) So I'll shut up now and let you tell me why I'm wrong. No, it's not. I don't think it's that you're wrong at all, but you've raised so many points. Um, I don't want to let them run away with us. I think it's interesting too. I think I was a little bit the same about falling in love in the sense that if I was in a relationship with somebody and I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere, what was the point of that? You know, I I don't want to waste my time on something that isn't going to be the thing. So when you discover if art is the thing, your thing, yeah, you want to do a lot of it um, and you, you, you want to um, challenge yourself and have fun and see where it can go. I think that's the exciting thing. The doing it all the time, I think is a little bit of a, I think it varies so much according to where you are in life and um, what other commitments you have pulling on your time. And I think when I, when I made the decision that I wasn't going to go back to work, I was going to do this instead. There was definitely a time where I was probably a bit like you are now. And I think my husband would probably stay. I still do that too much in the evening, but I'm trying not to, you know, there was a lot of things to figure out from a businessy websitey setup point of view. And it was all new to me and it was all fascinating. And um, all of that did take up, a lot of time but I didn't have the money I mean so often people say oh outsource it or get somebody else to do it for you well you have a choice with those kind of things you can either learn to do it yourself and it doesn't cost you anything or you pay somebody else to do it well I had no money at that point that I felt justified in spending on that so I had no choice but to figure it out and do it myself and that did take up lots of evenings and um you know lots of time and I think perhaps now I'm at a stage where I just want to just scale it back a bit and calm down because there is a point where certainly that side of things becomes exhausting and tiring and I'm just aware that for me personally when it gets too much I know that I start to not be able to cope very well yeah 
it does the opposite of fire me up it kind of makes me feel like you were talking about being earlier this week a bit overwhelmed where you kind of wander around and you think there's so many things what do I do next and the only antidote to that that I found is chilling out a bit letting myself a little bit off the hook working out what's really important working out what if it doesn't get done in six months time isn't going to make any difference nobody else is going to notice that's a different thing from spending all your time painting yeah I couldn't spend all my time painting because I I can only do that for say a couple of hours at it's a time. Physic- I think pe- it's physically very tiring I spent a long time painting yesterday and because I'm standing up um and I can't wear shoes when I paint um you can't wear shoes when you paint hold on back up back up back up <laughs> that's just interesting <laughs> I can't, I've tried, I've tried wearing, I've tried wearing like trainer type shoes and generally I don't wear shoes in the house anyway. So if I put shoes on, that feels odd. And I've also tried buying like really nice, quite funky studio slippers and it just makes me feel all kind of sloppy. I don't. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I have, I have socks which are covered in paint. <laughs> But as a result, at the end of the day, even though I have this cardboard, hardboard over carpet flooring, so there's a bit of give in it, it's physically very tiring. At the end of the day, you're standing up, my feet are aching a bit, my legs are aching a bit. You know, if I've been lifting big panels, that's hard work on your arms. It's quite a workout. That's why I don't go to the gym. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, I think there's definitely a limit to how much time you can spend in a day painting for me I think the golden time is between about three and four hours yeah I think for me it's up to two and after that I'm just faffing and making a mess um and that's I realized that it was get in in years past that's where I was going wrong and Mm -hmm. so I think for everybody it's so important to find out what that amount of time is I know people who don't want to leave and want to spend all day if they have all day and can't stop but it's just not me and I'm unusual I think and and you too in the sense that I absolutely love business as well I just love that stuff I love analytics and websites and advertising and I find it all fascinating just as much as painting um it's just that I spent a long time doing that stuff in a field I didn't enjoy seemed horrible now that I'm using those skills in a field I do enjoy it's a whole different thing but don't you ever feel if you're taking if you so uh you know you take a step back then you feel like oh but I've there's this idea and I could do it and it'd be so good if I did it um but I can't because I'm taking a step back now and I'm going to relax and then can you actually relax um I'm getting better at relaxing. <laughs> I'm get no, I am getting better at relaxing. I think it's I think what's difficult for me is having working on new ideas kind of alongside uh things that are already in motion. Um but I did it's funny, I had a thought this morning before I knew that this is what we were going to discuss. If you knew, if I knew that I only had a year left, say am I making the kind of paintings now that I want to be left behind after I'm gone? Oh, (laughs) that's a good question. And I I just thought, you know what it did? It spurred me on to thinking, 
it's just it's another push towards somehow being I don't know just freer do you know do you know what it made me think of the Jean-Michel Basquiat exhibition that was at the Barbican in London last year and of course he died young unexpectedly um I think he was 28 when he died so he was kind of only gets getting started and there's a bit of um controversy about it because some people say his work is only recognized because he managed to get in with Andy Warhol and that group and you know therefore that's how people know his work and artistically it doesn't have very high merit it's just it's graffiti-ish um I think there's a real rawness to it which perhaps maybe is easier when maybe it was easier for him when he was young and it's something that I want to get back more towards just just working really just so much more expressively and less contained and but I I can't do that when I know that I've got to produce work of a certain expectation for an upcoming event because that's really I've really got to take myself into something totally unexpected that's something that I need time for uninterrupted time without an ending to yeah which comes to this thing of time again because I've been thinking about this so now I've got these paintings out of the way I was thinking oh, I would like to play and experiment I find that so difficult for the same reason that we're talking about because I've only got so much time so it's the same thing as you're saying. It's like, oh, but if I spend all morning having fun, splashing paint around for no end whatsoever, then I've just wasted the, the morning and now I have to go do something else. But it's not a waste, is it? Because we know it's not. I don't think, I don't think it is a waste. I think sometimes I have a feeling that um, when we start ideas that we're just playing on something, often we do it on kind of disposable material or something that's deliberately smaller scale and therefore it starts off as being not very meaningful whereas I, I think what I've realized I want to do is I want to buy a whole load of big canvases not not panels I'm looking at the panels my husband saw the panel bill for the last <laughs> for the last set of panels arrived <laughs> and went oh, what um yeah, so I'm going to get some canvas because I want to work at scale. If I, if I need to explore this, I need to play at scale that feels appropriate. So it's not wasting time playing on something that feels like it's always going to be insignificant. And I think there's, there's we're getting into the topic of play a bit now, but there's, um, I think there are different ways to play. You can play small where you really are testing and experimenting and maybe looking at materials and perhaps you don't spend that long doing that and I think there's perhaps another stage of play that needs time which is investigating but in the position where you actually want to work I think that's such a good point and it and it does relate to time I know we're kind of getting into play but for me, you've just really made me realize that that's what the problem is because I use paper mm. if I'm going to mess around. And I use these old life drawing things that I have and I use the backs of them and work on those. And of course, that feels throwaway and it feels not important. And so I don't put any effort into it. Well, I do put effort in, but it's not. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's not serious play or investigative play it's messing around like a five-year-old play 
And that's what I don't feel like I have time for, even though I believe messing around like a five-year-old is probably a good thing to do. I struggle with it because of this time issue again. And if I knew I only had a year, Mm. would I want to be spending it moving paint around on a piece of paper? No, I wouldn't. So maybe I need to do what you're saying. So this, funnily enough, you know, this goes back to what I said about relationships, doesn't it? It, it, Basically what you're saying is, even even if you're playing with something or you're spending time with it or your approach is experimental and curious, you want to know at the beginning that it has the potential to be something important. Yes. And now I'm saying this, I'm thinking, well, you big hypocrite, because I'm just teaching people the exact opposite of this and they're getting amazing results. I'm teaching them. uh, Well, I finished the course was called find your joy, but it was all about playing and just letting loose and forgetting about this need for results which I think is very important at the stage where you're not getting any of the results you want it's yep. really important to to just let loose um, where it gets difficult to do that is when you do start getting some of the results you want and then in order to keep playing like that you have to let go of those results which is what you're saying so you have to say right I know I can produce these paintings successfully and sell them but now I'm going to take these big canvases and do something completely wild and crazy on them that might not have any chance of success. And I think that's very hard. You can't, you got, I think you, it's very difficult to do that without um, practicing to some level on a smaller scale first. I mean, I I think all, all those exercises about letting go and playing and not worrying about the outcome and doing things for the sake of the process of it, I mean, those are hugely, hugely important in terms of um, learning and freedom and all of the things that you want to bring into art that doesn't feel kind of tight and restrained and worried and uptight. Um, But I think it's also worth perhaps recognising if that no longer feels satisfying, why is that? And I think that's probably where I'm getting to with it. Yeah. So are you going to make the time? Are you going to be able to make the time to let loose on these big canvases? Yeah, because I have deliberately this year, um, so last year I had quite a lot of events booked in regularly throughout the year. And this year I'm deliberately not booking anything, which is a bit scary. That's... <laughs> Especially because of that big panel, Bill. <laughs> yeah. I have, you know, I have got no idea how I'm going to sell this work I'm making. No idea. but but you will something something will unfold and I think this is this is also the difference between how much time do you have I think it's it's a tough one and I'm still learning it but I I know that I can spend a lot of time worrying about things in advance before they've actually happened yes and I suppose this is just another step in trying to just concentrate on what's important now and trusting that that it's not it's not trusting that it will all just appear by magic but it's more trusting that some idea will come to me that I will then take action on that will make sense in getting them out into the world yes and that's a practice too and it, it it's it's hard particularly for me because I am like you know quite a planner 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. I've seen I your am. lovely planning book. <laughs> I am. So just going back to the time thing, when I first started doing this, and I, I had, and if you go way, way back, I might try and find um, the blog post. One of the very first blog posts I did before it was even on the website, that's my website now. Um, I time tracked my whole week and I worked out what I was actually spending my time doing, um, whether it was walking the dog, cooking, children, reading, bedtime, the kids were little at that point. Um, and I was looking at where, where do I actually physically have time that I can do this? And if I feel like I don't have enough, what can change? Can I change the sequence that I do things? It's, a, it's, you know, it's a very analytical way of doing it. But for me, that was the only way of looking at it honestly and saying, well, when you take the kids to school, you come home and you sit down and you yeah, have a cup of tea and you might faff around and read the newspaper and that might actually take 45 minutes you know, that's a lovely thing to do. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't do that. But at that time, for me, it was a way of recognizing that perhaps I could be a little bit more ordered with my time. And that was going to give me the opportunity to do something that I wanted to make happen. Whereas now I'm a little bit more the opposite, I have a bit more time. And so my focus is on maybe allowing myself to do more of that so that I don't feel like I'm racing racing doing everything all the time so it depends hugely where you are I think in your in your stage of life and whether you're yeah, I think that's around true. a job or yeah. but you're totally right I mean you can do it I mean I find 30 minutes hard again it feels a bit insignificant but an hour an hour is definitely enough to get paints out and to do something that makes a difference. The 30 minutes for me is the magic time when I, like I have one at the moment that I know what I want to do. Um, I know I want to bring some light into it. So I've got the paint mixed up. So mm -hmm. all I have to do, cause it was there last night and I have a stay wet palette. So all I have to do is come in this morning, get my brushes cleaned and go put that light on there. Right. And if I do that, it'll be really, it'll be good and it'll look fresh. But that's all I've thought about doing on that painting. What I used to do was then keep playing with it, keep messing, keep messing about, keep adding things until I lost the whole thing that I was originally okay. looking for. So I like the 30 minute thing because I can come in, make that mark on that one, make that move on that painting there, do something quick on that one and then walk out and leave them and then come back and look. I think it's because my problem is of messing with things. Um, I think you're much more thoughtful and take more time to think before you work from what you've told me. I, I need to get that. But one of the ways I kind of trick myself into that is by doing a quick 30 minutes and then leaving because I'll have to think while I'm away from them. If I'm in the room with them, I'll be tempted to mess. So when you're working, you always get, are you getting your idea of what you want to do next or do you wait and consider that? I, sometimes there is no thinking. There's just, this is what I mean. There's just next thing, next thing, next thing. Oh, look, I've ruined that. That was much better before. Um, but that's why I find 30 minutes really frustrating because say, if you take your example, you, you know, you go back in and you know, you need to work with lights next. So you've got that ready to go and you go, as soon as you start doing that, then everything starts kind of firing and then I want to keep working. So if I know I've got to stop at 30 minutes, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's frustrating. I find that yeah. frustrating. 
Well, it used to be for me essential because I was so busy with my day work that I had 30 minutes here, you know, an hour there or else there wouldn't be any painting happening. And I imagine that's similar for people with young kids or, yeah. you know, you, you get these little snatches of time. Whereas like you now, I have much more time. And uh, now it's a case of making sure that I don't, that I don't do more than two hours because I know okay. what's going to happen if I do more than two hours. Yeah. So maybe I'll be on Pinterest looking to try and solve a problem that I've got to try and see how other people are solving a problem I've got or reading about something or making a blog post or making a video or something to move my courses forward or making content for a course. It feels to me like this is my opportunity to make a living doing something I love as opposed to all the years I spent doing something I didn't love. Mm. And the reason I bring that up is I think I know there are a lot of people who spent even longer than me doing things they didn't love. And they're now at a point where they're beginning to have time. Maybe they're retired. Maybe the kids have left home. They've got time now to work more on their art. And they, and they don't because I think they're putting different pressures on themselves about time. I think it's the same thing, though. I think it's the same thing as well for people who, and, you know, I re remember this hugely, you know, when, you, when you've got smaller children, um, and when it's not your full-time job, you, you don't get started because you think it's not worthwhile unless you've got three hours. So I've said three hours is my optimum, um, but you don't have to have three hours in order to make a difference, is I think what we're saying. And the worst thing is to do nothing. And it just makes us feel so bad. When, we, when there's something that we want to do and we're not actually taking steps towards it, so that's the biggest hurdle, I think, is, is understanding that it doesn't have to take. You don't need a full day or three hours. You can make half an hour or an hour, and those things will add up into a huge difference. That's where we, we vary a little bit. I just Those small steps add up so much, and for me, that's a kind of sense of relief because I know that over time that's going to make a difference. But I, I'm not necessarily going at it with this like full charge approach. I, I just don't think that you need to. I think it's all about little steps, little steps, little steps, but having continual movement. And I think that that's true for some people. But I don't think it's true for everyone. If I think about the steps that I've made in the last year, they've been been giant steps not little steps but I, I kind of see what you're saying because they're made up of little steps mm -hmm. but and the big step giant steps can feel a bit overwhelming I know and this is the thing you see I realize that in this conversation that 90% of the people listening will be feeling really good when you're talking and then really bad if I'm saying about giant leaps because I know that that is often intimidating, especially when you have a lot of other things to deal with. And it just happens to be my way, my only way I know how to live or cope with things. I just, I don't know how to do, for example, I just heard a podcast and the person was talking about an idea about videos on your website. And I realized, oh my God, yes, that's such a good idea. I need videos on my website.
Now, sensibly, I would put in some time over the next few months to make those videos whenever I can and add them to the website. But there's part of me thinking, you don't have time to mess around. You need videos on your website. You need to get on with that. So as soon as the show is hung, uh, I need to get recording videos and get them up. I'd call videos, making videos, a small step. Maybe that's the difference. Oh, well, maybe we're talking about something different. So I'm talking about putting like 10 videos on my website about all different subjects on all the different pages so that every content, all the content has a video associated with it. Now these things are feeling like a big pressure mm -hmm. that I feel like I need to do because I don't have much time and I need to, if I only have a few years left, I need to be getting this done so that, so that I can get as many buyers as possible so they'll buy my paintings, which is the entire reason I'm making them in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to be getting things done. I think that that is true no matter what level you're at. You need to be, it, you can't spend your whole time thinking about things or planning things and not actually taking action on any of it. You've got to be getting things done. I think it's, it's just... Uh, whether whether it becomes too overwhelming. I'm thinking as we're talking, I'm not sure that we disagree all that much about this anyway. I think we have a slightly different approach, but I think we both agree that you make you, you spend as much time as you can moving yourself forward in whatever way feels comfortable for you. So just because this is my way, I'm not suggesting everybody should push 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 and never sit down and watch Netflix I think that would be a bit nuts for me to suggest that to anybody else I think everybody has to find their own way if a feeling about time is somehow stopping you from making work which I know people that's the case for I don't have three hours to set aside so I can't do it mm -hmm. I think if that's happening then you really need to look at how you're thinking about time but if you're happy working how you are, then whichever way it is, I think is fine. But it's the beliefs then that you're telling yourself that you're, that you're letting rule what you do, isn't it? So whether yeah. it's, it's not worth painting unless I have three hours. A painting, you know, I can't do anything unless I have three full days a week. Or there'll be some statement that you're telling yourself. Yes. Is a thing. Now your thing is. I have no time because my dad died when I was 60. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They might be two completely non-related facts. Yes, they might be. So the thing is, if that's giving you an urge and a motivation that currently you're finding is propelling you in a way that you feel happy with and you're excited with, it's not a problem, is it? No. And that's the thing. So that's what I, I feel for me at the moment. I'm so enjoying myself. I mean, I, it's not like I'm dragging myself to do these things. I love it. And uh, when I get pulled away from it by the need to spend time with other people or do something else, it's like, oh, I've got that to do and I really want to get it done. Do you think that that is totally sustainable though? That level? I don't know. I've, I don't know. My whole life, my whole working life has been long, long hours and lots and lots of work. So always for various reasons, you know, when it, when I was younger, because I didn't have kids, I had a big career and I worked long, long hours and for, for a time I loved it and then I hated it, but I always did it. 
this is the first time in my life that I've worked long hours and enjoyed every minute of it that I've woken up in the morning and thought, Oh, I can't wait to go do that. And then that, and then that. So, and they're all things that I'm initiating. Nobody's mm-hmm. making me do these things. You know, they're my things. I don't have to do them. I could stop tomorrow and uh, I could slow down tomorrow, but I don't want to cause it's fun. But this is what, and it might not be fun in a year. So I mm-hmm. might, I might feel like it's not so much fun in a year, but while I feel like it's so much fun, I want to get on with it and, you know, be doing it because what else am I going to do? Yeah. You know, if I, if I sat and watched romantic comedies, I'd just feel really bad about myself. I think that's fair enough. It's just that when you kind of say I worked really hard and I loved it and then I hated it and now you're working really hard, you just got to keep the fact that whether it's going to fade from that love it to hate it. Yes, I think that's true. And there's definitely a chance that when you work this hard on something, it stops being fun and then you turn it into a chore and you take the thing you loved and make it something you don't love anymore. And that's something that I think everyone's got to be aware of too. And I I think that's another thing when it gets back to the actual painting, the actual making, it's, it's very difficult to find to find a right rhythm because you know if you do have a, a, a rigid structured routine it, it does become a job and there is this argument about you can't wait for the muse you've just got to turn up and then the muse will find you and that's true to, that is true to a degree but I think we also have to be careful of it turning into that oh I've got to go and paint I don't like it when it starts to feel like that yes and that feeling of I've got to go and paint is sometimes what's causing people not to want to because they're putting pressure on themselves in the same way I am. They're feeling like I don't have any time. I don't have much time left. I've heard this from a lot of people. Uh, so I need to paint every chance I get. But then if they don't feel like painting that day, the guilt kicks in and then they just avoid it altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's all these pressures that we put on ourselves around time. And I think it basically comes down to finding your own, are you feeling happy with the current way that you're approaching making your work? Um, And if you're not, try and dig down to the bottom of what's caused you to be unhappy. I think maybe that's what we're saying. Yeah, because there are lots of frustrations, aren't there, as well? I'm thinking of people at the opposite end, and it's there are other things in life too. It's not just about, painting and making art because that would all actually make us a bit obsessive and a bit dull and probably if you look back in history at the artists who work like that they were all complete nutcases Uh, (laughs) so I'm probably about to chop off my own ear is what yeah maybe maybe oh I bought no I'm going to talk about that in what in in what's um inside outside in a minute um talking about chopping off ears um (laughs) no I was just going to say um let's not forget I know this is a podcast about painting but there are other things in life too that are equally important whether that is I was going to say playing golf I don't know why that popped into my head I've never (laughs) played golf in my life um or just totally taking time out and being with your family and loving it and not feeling like you want to get back to painting and therefore you're resentful of the other thing that you're doing. They're all good. Okay, so let's move on to our question from a listener. And this question is from Tracy. 
So Tracy says, how do you know when you are ready to move on from playing and start to produce a series or body of work? Also, I've been making small collages and I can see how they can translate into larger paintings, but I'm finding it hard to make a start on the paintings. Hashtag, quite like this, fear of making an actual painting. <laughs> so I think there's, there's two things here and actually it ties into what we were just talking about, about playing and whether your play is on something significant um, in terms of materials. So, you know, while you're always working small or on sketchbook pages, unless you're going to start ripping up your sketchbook page, you're never going to take that and make it a painting. That's always going to be a sketchbook page. So it's only ever going to happen on a painting, an actual painting, if you start working on an actual painting. And I was going to say, well, I was going to say, first of all, I don't know because I'm still to get used to playing properly for a long period of time. But I think, couldn't you, couldn't you start playing on the body of work? Exactly. So couldn't you say, right, get a bunch of canvases or a bunch of boards or whatever you normally work on and say, right, I'm going to take this play mode straight into the painting and carry on just as I have been. And then, but these are going to turn into something. And I suppose her question then would be, yeah, but when do I, when does it become something? Well, when it becomes, I think there's two things. It's how do you, one thing is, is how do I start? And, you know, the starting is making the decision that you're going to start and very practical and physical getting your materials ready. So are you going to, do you want to carry on working on paper? What size? How many are you going to do? If you want to do 10 things on paper, maybe start by getting 15 sheets of the same size paper ordered and ready. Um, you know, if you need more than one drawing board to take them to, do you need to go and get more bits of hardboard cuts that you've got enough drawing boards? You know, there are quite, I think there are quite a lot of physical things that we can do to get ourselves ready for making a body of work. So it might be deciding what size canvas you're going to be working on and ordering a number in that size do they do they all need to be the same no but if it's a series or a body of work they probably need to have some relationship to each other so are you going to do half of them large and another half small just think about how you want that end series to be just enough to get you started but at some point you've got to make a decision about what you're going to start working on and get the physical stuff ready to do it yeah, and I think I would say, looking at this second sentence, I've, I can see how these would turn into larger paintings, but I'm finding it hard to make a start. I, I would ask myself why, because sometimes when you can get to the root of what it is, so what am I afraid of if I make a start on a painting? And fear of what? So it might, I, I don't know what that might be because... I think the, different. The, the fear could be all sorts of things. The fear could be I can do it on a small collage scale and it's not going to work big. And mm. I think the answer to that is maybe don't make your jump in scale quite so huge. The fear could also be, am I going to be able to reproduce what I've made and found satisfying in my collages or in my sketchbooks within a painting? And Again, you're right, you know, you need to unpick that a little bit. 
if your fear is, will I be able to reproduce it? Then who says it's got to, I think that's the one of the biggest mistakes is trying to reproduce something that you've got in a sketchbook or a collage or something that leads you into making a painting is an idea. You're not trying to recreate it as a painting that you're going to get unstuck when you do that because you're going to be um, stuck on the idea of recreating something that already exists and you're not going to be able to get um, lost in the personality and the creation of the new painting that you're making. Yeah. And if the fear is about failing when you try this, I, I think the best way around that is to accept that you're going to fail when you try it first is to expect to fail because you probably will initially. Um, everybody does. And once you kind of accept, I mean, I have this exercise that I teach people, which is to make the worst painting they can possibly make. Just try your best to make a bad painting. Just use the worst colors, worst marks, make it as ugly as you can. And two things come out of that. First, you realize that the, the ceiling didn't fall in, nothing happened. You just made an ugly painting. But at least half the time, something really, a good painting comes out of that because you weren't trying anymore, because you took the fear out of it. Because once you say, okay, I'm scared, um, it's not as scary anymore. I think of it as I used to do public speaking many years ago. I was terrified. And the way I got around being terrified was to tell everybody when I stood up, I'm terrified. I'm so nervous right now. And then you have the whole audience on your side. As soon as you say that, people just rooting for you. And you've got it out. And it's not as scary once you've told people that you're terrified. Because then when you blush, it's not so embarrassing. Or then when you stammer, it's not so embarrassing. And I think it's like that with painting. It's just, if you can put a pin in it, like a balloon, just prick the fear with a pin so it goes, so it deflates. And then it's manageable to go in and try and do it. So if the fear is failure, just say, okay, these, the first few of these are going to be a failure. Mm. And somewhere along the way, I'll see if I can find my way with them. I think Unless somebody's actually waiting for them, what what's to get what's to lose yeah i think the issue is um often is accepting that the fear exists in the first place so if the fear is of failure i mean who's to say it's a failure you know for me you know there are definitely ugly stages in the middle of a painting jeepers creepers i mean if i stopped half my paintings in the middle it'd be horrendous you know that's um you know, it, it, they're not going to be beautiful from beginning through to end, but the difference is you get to say when you finished with it. So there is, there is no risk at the beginning. You know, you can, if you can do it in a sketchbook, you can take that way of working into a painting and you just, what makes it into a body work, a body of work is that you have a group of a certain number of them that have something in common. That's it. And you're just taking your exploration into something that is a little bit cohesive. That's all. And if you don't like it, you just keep going until you do. Okay. So Tracy, I hope that's helpful. Let us know if you have any follow-up questions, you know where we are. Um, so let's move on to inside outside. So this is the section where we talk about things that have inspired us this week. Alice, what have you found inspiring this week? 
So I actually listened back to our last podcast about going out and um, browsing libraries and bookshops and things. And I went into our local, uh, it's called Bookcase in the UK. So it has kind of end of line, random stuff, random books. And I found three books that I'm really looking forward to. One is a book of um, Van Gogh repetitions, and I haven't started reading it yet, but it's a whole book of paintings that he did and then did the same painting again. All which right. I find absolutely fascinating. So there was an exhibition that was curated and pulled together of all of these works where basically the same painting was done twice. And very often it was that the first painting was done outside and then there was something that he wanted to change in the composition. So he did it again and resolved it. And actually this is really interesting in terms of the conversation we were just having about being able to reproduce something. Um, sometimes it feels like the second paintings have a little bit less life or energy to them than the first ones. Um, they are more refined, but perhaps they don't often have the same feeling to them. Sometimes it's just a drawing or sometimes he's changing something to do with the outlines or the precise position of something so I'm looking forward at some point to having a really good look through that and the other one that I picked up was a very interesting book that was just a mix match of different design studios and it was um, firstly interestingly bound it has no cover it's just like the sticky binding like you get on the inside of hardback books and it's just it's about two inches thick and it's on quite rough paper and it's just this complete hodgepodge of different design and typography and photographs and I don't know I, it, I when I pick up something like that it makes my heart race so <laughs> that's your graphic design background yeah. as well coming back through yeah and you uh, for me it's been actually the people who are taking my course at the moment uh, so it's a course called Find Your Voice and it was a follow-on to the first course I did and about half the people carried on with the course. So these were people who you were saying earlier, they'd got used to splashing paint around and feeling free, but then they wanted to go further and make the paintings better and they wanted to understand how to do that. So this course is a lot more technical and we're talking about composition and uh, tone and colour and um, it's quite difficult to move from the playing, having fun, flinging paint around into these concepts. But I'm just so inspired by these women, it just happens all to be women on this course, who are just throwing themselves into this and they're doing amazing work. And they're so brave about um, asking for help and about showing what they're doing. And I just find it totally inspiring because many of them had not painted really until they took my first course or some of them had painted a long time ago and are coming back to it after a long time away and when we started they were so timid and so nervous about doing anything and now they're just you know just really going for it and I just find it so inspiring and a reminder of what we can do and how far we can come in a short amount of time if we're willing to just take risks and put ourselves out there a little bit um so yeah it's just it's really it's exciting to me to see it happening 
And I think it's being supported, isn't it? Anything like that, when you feel you're in a group that you're being supported by other people, makes yeah. you, they wouldn't have done it by themselves. Yeah, and I think the group is inspiring too because they're very supportive of each other. And uh, I've seen that this week in your group. Um, Alice has a private, well, a, a group for artists, a paid membership group, and uh, which she says she's going to open up at some point to other people. Well, you can edit that bit out if you like. <laughs> well, do you, know, do you know what? I was actually going to say um, I might do that next week. So, oh, good. Well, everybody... So, yeah, uh, by the time this yeah, by the time this goes out, um, yeah, I might have got my act together. And it's funny, I, I have been, you know, we've been talking about hesitation. I have been hesitating with all sorts of fears. And my fears of it are if it grows, I will find it overwhelming. If it grows, it won't be the special place it is anymore. And um I just kind of figure that it's going to get the right kind of people in. I'm going to limit it. It's going to be only a small number of people coming in again because we've had a couple examples this week. We had, it's been an amazing week. We've had people launch their websites for the first time. Uh, we've got people doing art fairs for the first time. We've had a couple of people coming kind of like, I'm ready to tear my hair out and everybody has bowled in and, and I, I want to keep it feeling like that. I don't want it to ever be um, a big, huge anonymous program. So that's why I'm precious about it. But um, yeah, if you want to either get on the wait list, it's, it's on the website, alicesheridan.com. And then I think there's a for artists or slash artists section and there will either be um, get on the wait list for the connected artist or it's open now, depending on, whether I get organized <laughs> okay well that's a good place to end that so I think we're done for today um if you would like to uh subscribe to this podcast you can do that on iTunes or anywhere where you listen to podcasts we would love you to give us a review if you have the time we've had some lovely reviews so thank you for those you can find uh me at louisefletcherart.com or alice at alicesheridan.com uh, you can find us both on facebook alice has a group called art explorers and i have a group called this painting life um, or you can find us on instagram alice sheridan studio and louise fletcher art um, thank you very much for listening and uh, we've really enjoyed this as usual and we will see you again next week Bye-bye. bye bye and uh, I'm just going to put something else that I'm going to can drop back in again in the edit um, about the audience question and about the bit.ly link oh yes sorry okay. I forgot that bit so in the spirit of doing things as we go and learning I, I, I kind of made a mistake with the bit.ly link so what I did was I shared the link to the actual editable google form which is a bit confusing because it means you can't actually submit the question. Ah. So, <laughs> you can find that you can find the link to submit a question on any of the podcast notes. It will go through to the right place now. Or if you're listening and you just want to kind of try to memorize it, it's bit.ly bit.ly slash art juice podcast. And that will actually take you to the form that you can actually click and submit rather than try and change the actual form. Hi, welcome to episode, oh, start again. Which one is it? Am I too loud? 
No, it just went. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, because I forgot what I was saying. No, it's, it was your connection. <laughs> oh no, again. Yeah. And I can't go in the house because we've got cleaners here vacuuming and making a racket. 